Welcome to MPT Podcast. This is Pastor Tim Wilbanks. We pray that this Word of God will bless your life and ministry increase God's blessing upon you. I want to do in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. And the Lord good to us. What a beautiful day as already has been said. A beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord, to worship God in spirit and in truth, and uh, to feel after Him and believe that He has all of us in mind today, that He's going to speak to us. I believe that. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe He's already spoken to us in this service Amen. Through the singing, the Word of God that's already been delivered, through the worship, the presence of God that's here, God has already spoken to us, and uh, I just believe that He's going to continue to speak to us for the next few minutes. I want to say it's great to be here. We love you all very, very much, and I got to go, Pastor took me fishing yesterday, and uh, that, that's the first time I've been fishing in a long time. But I'm glad he took me, and I had a great time and got to spend time with some of the others from the church here, and uh, Brother Cody and Brother Jerry and Brother Clint and Sister Hannah, and we just had a great, great time and caught a, a lot of fish, and that makes it much that makes it much more enjoyable, doesn't it? How many of you How many of you like to fish? If you're catching fish, that makes it much more enjoyable. Uh, to be able to do that. And then the friendship that you have with the people that are in the boat, that makes it a, a, even a greater time. Y'all are looking good, and it's just good to be here. It's good to have my wife with me, and we love brother and sister Wilbanks and their family, and this church family for many, many years. <clears throat> but in feeling after the Lord, this morning, well, since he's called, I uh, wanted to make sure and know that I'm headed in the right direction in preaching the Word of God uh, to this congregation today. And I believe that whenever you're drawn back to a particular thing, that God must have a reason to speak that. Would you agree with that? That if you continually are drawn back to it, then God must want to say it. And uh, so I, I want to I share the word of the Lord with you today from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 will be my starting place. And I will read uh, beginning with verse number 6. I heard someone make a statement here a while back. How many of you have ever heard the, the remark made whenever something is said and preachers say it a lot? That'll preach. That'll preach. Amen. A lot of nodded heads out there and amens. But, uh, and that's true. There are a lot of things that will preach. But the question was asked after that, that'll preach, but will it last? But will it last? Will it take? Because it's a lot of fun preaching. Preaching can be just very, very much entertainment sometimes. It just feels good. How many of you know that's true? Just feels good. I love to hear that good preaching. He's a good preacher. He's a great preacher. I love that preaching. It feels good. It 
God. Oh, what a text. I, that's an amazing text. You ever heard anything like that before, Brother Jerry? It's pretty powerful. That's powerful. And uh, preaching can become almost entertainment, but after we've had that preaching, then it just kind of fades away. We don't even remember it. I hope today you'll remember what the Word of God says. Not only will this preach, but I hope that it will last in Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians 14, beginning with verse 6. Bible says, Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you, except I shall speak to you either by revelation, or by knowledge, or by prophesying, or by doctrine, and even things without life-giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world. So many kinds of voices in the world. And none of them is without signification. None of them. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. I, I could title this a number of things this morning, but I, I just want to ask this question, which voice are you listening to? Which voice are you listening to? And... Uh, you could title it. You could think of another title probably. But that's my question today. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to help me as I minister the word today. Help me to preach truth only and not error, God. I pray in Jesus' name the word of God will find its proper lodging place in our hearts. I ask for your help, oh God. I need you. Speak through me, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to say in the beginning today that 1 Corinthians 14 is not, is not an attempt by the Apostle Paul to minimize the importance of speaking with other tongues. That's not what he's trying to do here. And nor is he trying to explain away the initial evidence of you receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, being that you speak with tongues. He's not trying to do that. Incidentally, this is Pentecost Sunday. This is where we celebrate the day of Pentecost, the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But also, Paul is not muddying the, the water between the gift of the Holy Ghost as an integral part of your salvation and the operating of spiritual gifts in the church. But what he is trying to do here is to bring order to a congregation that through the months or years they had allowed themselves to get so carried away with spiritual matters and spiritual things that the end result 
was that their worship service, their gathering together had disintegrated into nothing more than a chaotic and a confusing time where no one was being edified. No one was truly being strengthened. No one was really being blessed. No one was really being helped at all. And that's why Paul decided that it was important that he go through his instructions here. Talks about how everything that has no life within it, it doesn't have life in it. It has life-giving sound, except that it give a distinction in the sound, then you're not going to know what the sound is all about. And he talks about the pipe, whether it's a pipe or whether it's a harp. You're not going to understand what's being played in the music except there is a distinction in what is being played. And he said because even if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, then who shall prepare himself to battle? It's important that the trumpet is on note. It's on key. It's, it's saying the right thing. And he's stressing the necessity. And this is what we need to get in our heart and mind in the very beginning of this today. He is stressing the necessity of clarity. He is stressing the necessity of there being a clearness of understanding. A clearness of understanding. And so there's a lot that we could talk about, but I'm not going to go into a lot of details this morning. I do not have the time to do, but I do want to show you an underlying theme here that the Apostle Paul is trying to communicate. He says in verse number 10 that there are, he said, it may be so many kinds of voices in the world. So many different voices in the world. And he made a statement even making this known that none of them is without signification. He's talking about the fact that all over the world... Even in that time, and I believe that we understand the day and hour that we're in, that we're in the same place today, that there are many, many, many different voices in the world today, and that those voices are vying for my attention and vying for your attention. And oftentimes, those voices are associated with confusion, they're associated with so many different things and so much different stuff. They're not bringing clarity. They're not bringing understanding. They're not helping people to recognize how things really ought to be. And so what Paul is doing in these verses of Scripture, he's saying if there's any place, if there's any place that people ought to be able to come and get clarity of direction. It ought to be in the church. If there is any place that people ought to come and hear a clear and certain sound, it ought to be in the house of God. And that's the bottom line. 
If there's any place that people ought to be able to walk through the doors and when they walk out of the doors say, you know what? I heard something today. I heard something tonight. Amen. That I understood. I heard something today that helped me. I heard something today that made a difference in my life. And I'm here to tell you because here's the reason. Because this is the place where you ought to get understanding. I said this is the place where you ought to be able to come and get a word from the Lord. Hallelujah. Your whole life can be filled with confusion and filled with questions but this is where you ought to be able to come and walk out with some understanding about life. Walk out with some understanding about walking with God and about living for God and about being what God wants you to be. This is the place where that ought to happen. I said this is where it ought to happen. Hallelujah. Praise God, and this is what the psalmist said in Psalm 73 and verse number 1. He said these words. He said, truly God is good to Israel. God's good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. I was in trouble. I was messed up. I I was having some troubles. My steps had well nigh slipped. And then he said, because I was envious of the foolish. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You understand that here is a man between two extremes. On the one hand, Israel's being blessed. On the one hand, God's being good to his people. But on the other hand, he says, I look and I see the wicked. I see that they are prospering as well. And I am envious at the foolish. And he said, I looked at both of them and I got in trouble in my mind. And my feet almost slipped. And and my feet were almost gone. And my steps had well nigh slipped. Because I found myself caught between two situations. They're being blessed and they're being blessed. But I'm here in a situation where I'm asking myself the question, where's my blessing at? Where's my help at? Where's my strength at? And you go on down through the chapter and you can read it even. He gets to the place where he says, I've washed my hands in innocency. It looks like I'm living for God for no reason at all. All my efforts are futile. All my things that I try. I'm not accomplishing anything, but I'm drowning in all of this perplexity and all of these questions. And he said, when I got thinking about those things, it was too painful for me. And then he said in verse number 17, until... Until I went into the sanctuary of God and then understood I therein. He said, I don't understand some things, but when I went to church, I understood some things. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand until I went into the house of God. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but there have been many times, or at least sometimes, when I may have been drowning in my own pity. And then I went into the house of God. And when I got in the presence of God, I got some understanding. I understood some 
some things. I understood the house of God. I understood the importance of the house of God. Hallelujah. And he made this statement. He said, there's one thing I understood. I understood their end. In other words, he said, I understood what the end of the wicked was going to be. And I understood what the end of the righteous was going to be. And in that moment, he made a decision and he made a choice. And that was, you know what? I believe that the best choice for me, I'm going to choose the righteous. I'm going to choose to do what I know that I need to do in my heart. I may have some struggles. I may have some difficulties. Difficulties. I may have some problems. I may find myself with some questions and drowning in some perplexities. But there's one thing I'm not going to do. I'm not going to the, the way of the world. I'm going to stay in the church because that's where I can understand some things. Hallelujah. I'm going to remain a part of the kingdom of God because that's where I get my answers. That's where I get things straightened out. That's where I get things cleared up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I say this right here? Don't pressure your pastor not to preach truth. Don't put pressure on your pastor not to say it the way that it needs to be said. Because there's a world out there where it's always going to be in the gray. It's not ever going to be black and white. It's not ever going to be everything is always in the gray zone. Everything's always just up to you how you feel. Do it, do it ever how you feel. Ever what your heart says. Ever what your mind says. Ah, that's the way the world is. But when your pastor gets up and starts drawing the line straight and preaching the word of God straight. You need to get on your feet and you need to say oh hallelujah. Oh praise God. Thank God for some clarity. Thank God for an understanding. Thank God for a man of God who tells it like it is and won't let me die lost and go to hell in my own ideas and my own way of thinking. Hallelujah. Don't pressure your pastor to sit down. Don't pressure your pastor to back off or to shut up. Don't do it. I said, whatever you do, don't do it. Oh, my goodness sakes alive, we can't be ambiguous in our position on the doctrines of the apostolic church. And by that I mean we can't be unclear. We can't beat around the bush. There's got to be a clear note. There's got to be a certain sound. Hallelujah. When they walk out of this building, there ought to be no doubt that we believe in one God and His name is Jesus. There ought not be any doubt that we believe in repentance and water baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There ought not be any question it ought not be unclear it needs to be clear I said it needs to be clear hallelujah because Jesus said ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free the truth will make you free. Free from what? Free from the bondage of deception. Free from the darkness of, the, of false doctrine. Don't get tired. I urge this church. Don't get tired of any apostolic truth. Don't get tired of it. Let your pastor preach the truth. Hallelujah. 
There was one thing that Moses understood, and that was that if you're going to lead people out of Egypt, you can't compromise with the adversary. You can't do it. Pharaoh offered four different compromises, and Moses turned down every one of those compromises because he understood that if I'm going to get these people out of Egypt, I cannot compromise with Egypt. I cannot compromise with Pharaoh. Hallelujah. And I stand here today saying this in an apostolic pulpit. We cannot compromise this message. We cannot compromise this church, this truth. This church is where it is today because somebody preached truth around here. I said this church is where it is today because somebody stood for truth. Somebody stood for one God. Somebody stood for the name of Jesus. Somebody stood for holiness and separation from the world. This church didn't get here by being unclear in its message, by people not really knowing what they believe. This church cut their teeth on Acts 2.38. That's why it is where it is today, right now. It's because you had a man of God that preached it. Hallelujah, that didn't back down from it, but he declared what thus saith the word of God. He declared it without fear or favor. He declared it with love in his heart for the people of God. He declared it, he declared it, he declared it, and declares it today because he wants you to be saved. He wants you to be saved. Hallelujah, aren't you thankful for his voice? I said, aren't you thankful for his voice? Glory to God. There, there's a lot of voices in this world today. A lot of voices. i got to hurry through this, but there's the voice of the world. There's the voice of the religious world out there. You've got the voice of temptation that you have to deal with every day. Amen. Maybe more than once a day. You've got the voice of education. You've got the voice of civil government. A lot of voices. You got the voice of friends and peers. You got the voice of family. You got the voice of, of uh, backsliders. You've got the voice of reprobates. You've got the voice of your own flesh. Amen. That's quite the struggle. You got all kinds of, how many of you know I'm telling you the truth? You got all kinds of voices. All kinds of voices come into your ears. I'm telling you in this service today that we've got to be careful as to what voices we're lending our hearing to. It's vital that we know, everybody say that we know, that we know that the voice that we're listening to has our eternal destiny at heart, that they care about that. And I know that we ultimately are the ones that are going to make the decision. We're going to make the choice of who we listen to. We're big people. Well, most of us are. Lots of us are in this room. We're big people. And whenever these little people, I'm sorry, I looked over here. I don't want to insult these young ladies. When these little people, wherever they are in the building, grow up, they're going to make their choice of who they're going to listen to. Amen. And I'm going to tell you what, it's very important in the midst of this world with all of these voices. And Paul said there's not any of them that are without signification. They all have something to say. And it's all significant to them. 
And some of it even could be significant to us in the right setting and in the right situation. But what I want to preach to you today is that we need a voice that becomes the ultimate authority over all the other voices. I said there needs to be that voice that has the ultimate authority. That no matter what the other voices say, that we're always going to come back. And we're always going to submit to that ultimate voice. That voice that means the most. That voice that is the most important. There's three men in scripture. The first one that I want to show you is the man by the name of, of Saul. 1 Samuel 14 and 52. The Bible says there was sore war against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him unto him. These three men, I'm going to tell you about the most important voices in their life. When Saul saw the valiant men and the strong men and the mighty men, those were the men that he called to him, that he drew to him. So the first thing you know about Saul or notice about Saul in his kingship is that all the days that he ruled, those days were marked by warfare. Warfare. He was always in a fight with somebody else. Always in a battle with somebody else. So what Saul was looking for, Saul was looking for strong men. He was looking for valiant men. He was looking for men that were bad to the bone. Because he, oh, that just came out. Bad to the bone because these were the men that he preferred. Preferred those men. He wanted men around him that were fighting men. He wanted to hear the voice of fighting men. Men that would take the sword at, at a moment's notice. And come into a position of fighting and a position of warring. Men that would take the spear and stand ready to defend and ready to fight. Men who would be with him in battle. Those were the men that he drew himself to. Always wanted men who were fighters. Always wanted men because he was always in a fight. And let me just say this going by. You need to be careful hanging around somebody who's always in a fight with somebody else. <clears throat> I'll just leave that with you. You need to be careful there. 1 Kings 11 and 28, the Bible says this. The man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man that he was industrious, he made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. So whenever you follow the life of Solomon, if you follow his life, you understand that Saul was an industrious person. He was an industrious individual. And because of that, he wanted industrious men close to him. Amen. Industrious men. He saw this young man that he was industrious. Why? Because he was industrious. He was a builder. <clears throat> he built a lot of things. The Bible tells us that he had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots. 12,000 horsemen. He built his own house. It took him 13 years to build it. He built the house of the Lord. It took him 8 years to build that house. He built the Milo. He repaired the breach of the city of David. He built the wall of Jerusalem. 
He was a builder. He built the city of Hazor. He built the city of Megiddo and Gazar and Beth Horon. He had cities of store, cities for his chariots and cities for his horsemen. Everything that Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem and in Lebanon and all the land of his dominion, he built it. And then you add to that, he built a navy of ships. So here you've got Solomon. He's an industrious man. You've got Saul. He's a warring man. He wanted valiant men. He wanted mighty men around him. Solomon is a builder. He's a building building man. Extremely industrious. So the voices that he wanted around him were industrious men. He needed men to talk to him about how to build this and how to construct this and how to get that and put that together. Amen. How many of you know that it's true that most people are going to seek out people who will advance their own agenda? They just will. Carnal men will seek out carnal men. Spiritual men will seek out spiritual men. Carnal women will seek out carnal women and spiritual women will seek out spiritual women. You're going to run as a general rule with whoever identifies with your agenda and whoever you want close to you. Amen. If you want a valiant person, you can get them out here who will help you fight. If you want an industrious person, you can go and you can find there's those out there that will be industrious to you. Amen. Amen. Saul found him and, uh, and Solomon found him. But, and that's all good in its place. I said it's good in the right moment, in the right setting. But then you got another man by the name of David. You got a man by the name of David. And you'll discover a third type of man in David's life. And this is where I want to begin to come to a close. And this man is the man that David preferred and chose above all the others. And guess what that man was? It was the godly man. That, That was David's choice. He wanted a prophet in his life. He wanted a man of God to be the closest voice to him. That was the voice that David chose over all the other voices. When you read through his life, the one voice that was most consistent in David's life was the voice of the prophet. It was the voice of the godly man. And, and, and you got to understand, David needed valiant men. David needed warring men and mighty men because he fought battles and he also built things. But when it comes right down to it, you're going to notice in David's life the simple fact that he only allowed the man of God's voice to supersede everybody else's voice. That was the voice he tuned into. It didn't matter what the others said. It didn't matter how they approached the problem. It didn't matter. David said, I'm going to see what the man of God has to say about this. Let me go talk to him. Let me see what he has to say. When David was running for his life from King Saul, you understand that he, he went straight to Samuel the prophet and, and I don't know how much time that he spent there with Samuel, but we do know that they spent some time together. 
and they talked about things and talked about decisions and choices that David needed to make. Now, I wonder what he said to David when David came and said, you know what, Saul's trying to kill me. Oh, he's, he's throwing javelins at me. I, I go in to, to sing and, 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 and uh, to comfort him and play my harp and before I know it, he's trying to kill me. He tried to take my life. I wonder if Samuel possibly may have looked at King David, at David and said, David, as long as you live, I want, I want you to listen to me. Don't, whatever you do, don't let the ways that make kings go mad become your way of life. Whatever you do, don't do that. But, but learn how to handle your problems without always picking up a javelin. Learn how to handle problems without always being in a fight and, and without always being in a war. There, there are some other ways to handle these situations. David, whatever you do, David, don't learn the ways that make valiant men go mad. Just don't learn that. Don't learn those ways. David running for his life, it was on another occasion and, and the, the man fled to the house of God and he spoke to a godly priest. Went in there and, and wanted bread and a sword and the word of God tells the story that the sword was wrapped in a linen ephod. It was behind, over behind the altar. And the linen ephod was a holy garment and David said, I need a weapon to use and the godly man conceded. He brought him a weapon. He did. He brought him a weapon that had been wrapped in a holy garment. Please listen to me today. A valiant man, a valiant man, a mighty man will sometimes desire to put a sword of vengeance in your hand. He wants you to get revenge. He wants you to go ahead and do what you know you can do. You got, you got the opportunity to take him down, take him down. But whenever the preacher puts a sword in your hand and he says, go out and fight, it's going to be done in a righteous manner. It's going to be done in a godly manner. You'll go after the right thing. You won't go after the wrong thing. Amen. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 and 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Amen. And what the Word of God is, is literally telling us here is that we need to fight the right thing. Don't, whatever you do, don't go and fight the wrong thing. It's not your brother. It's not your sister. But you need to fight the right thing and it doesn't matter how bad your brother does you it doesn't matter how bad your sister does you your adversary is not them your adversary is the devil and we can't ever forget that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers amen amen put a righteous sword in your hand and that's what the man of God will do that's what the man of God will do. First Peter 5 and 8, your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Amen. We need to know who our adversaries are. We need to know that. And the man of God will let you know who your adversaries are. There was a time when David wanted to drink from the well. 
This is so amazing to me. I've always been amazed at this passage of Scripture. He wanted to drink from the well that was at the gate, near the gate of Jerusalem. And, and there were three mighty men. Three mighty men. You want that? We'll go get it. You got some mighty men in this church. You do. You do. Three mighty men went to, to get that. They said, we'll get that water. They broke through. And they brought him a container of water from the well. Brought it to him. The Word of God tells us that when he got that container of water, he poured it out. He poured it out on the ground there in front of them. And, and you know what? It's just when you look at that, he, he realized. He realized there in that moment, listen to me, that he couldn't drink. He couldn't drink everything that was brought to him by mighty men. He couldn't drink everything that was brought to him by valiant men. I can't drink everything that mighty men bring me. We got to realize this, that we can't. Every now and then, there's going to be some times that we may get some advice that we can't take because we can't drink everything a mighty man brings to us. Everything that is brought to us, a mighty man may not have the word from God that we need to hear in this moment. The mighty man may not have the help that we need in this moment. The industrious man may not have the answer that we need. He may not be able to supply us with what we need at the present moment. But David had an understanding David understood in his life that when it came to finding direction for his life and when it came to finding direction for the nation that God had anointed him to be king over, that when he went to the mighty man and when he went to the industrious man, he'd get an answer. He might get some of their advice. He might hear what they had to say. But when he went to the man of God, and they might have had some decent advice, but he went to the man of God. When he went there, he understood that he was getting counsel that he could depend on as the will of God. He was getting counsel that would not lead him wrong. He was getting counsel that would not take him down the wrong road. And he chose, he chose the voice of the man of God in his life over Amen. It was that voice that he preferred. It was that voice that he heard. He could hear. He could recognize it. And he would go to it. Can I, can I just offer this to you? Don't get upset when you go to your man of God for counsel and he says, I need to pray about this. I need to pray. Let me fast a day or two about this. Don't, don't get upset about that. You need to be thankful for that. Because I guarantee you in that moment, in that second, He could give you an answer. He could give you an answer. He could tell you something. But He wants to be sure. Your man of God would want to be sure that he's heard from the Lord before he gives you counsel in a decision that could be life-changing or life-affecting. Let me see. Let me pray. Let me ask God about this. A real man of God takes that seriously. I said a real, you know what I'm talking about? You know what it is to wrestle in prayer 
that you give the right answer. I was wrestling this morning. I was wrestling this morning. My wife was telling me, calm down, calm down, calm down. It'll be all right. Everything's going to be okay. I was wrestling because I wanted to bring a right word from the Lord to you. I don't know why I'm bringing this particular word, but God knows why. God knows why. Hallelujah. I've come to tell you today in this house uh, that there is a man of God that wants to make sure that he's heard from God before he gives you some off-the-cuff counsel or some off-the-cuff answer. He wants to make sure that he points you in the wrong direction. We are really talking about heaven and hell in some matters and in some instances. We can't give you some fly-by-night sermon or some fly-by-night message or something that might tickle your ears. We've got to give you something that comes from the throne of God. That's where a real man of God goes to get his answer. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's where he goes to get his answer. When David was in the cave and King Saul and his men came to the front of the cave of the camp, David was sneaking out of the cave. He walked right past Saul. You know the story. And Saul was asleep. And one of his mighty men, this is an example of what I'm talking about. One of his mighty men said, here's your opportunity to kill him. God delivered Saul into your hand. Look at this. This is a God thing. This is a God thing. Kill him right now. God just gave him to you. Take his life. Kill him. And when the mighty man said that to him, it was his word of advice. He, he, he approached it from a mighty man's approach. Right. Yeah, this is, he tried to make it a God thing too. Right. But then David began to think, and I believe maybe he was thinking the words that he would later write in Psalm 51, he was, or, or, or in Psalms, he would say, Touch not mine anointed, do my prophets no harm. It was a word from the Lord. And it was a voice that he heard from God. It was the voice that he cho chose to listen to. Amen. you got to be careful what the mighty men might tell you. The opportunity might present itself, but it might not be the will of God. Amen. You might be able to kill Goliath, but there's some giants you got to just let live until God gets ready to take care of that situation. And so I'm telling somebody in this room today, don't let the wrong voice cause you to make a wrong move or a wrong choice or a wrong decision. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, but Brother Miller, there's a lot of significant voices out there. That's what Paul said. A lot of significant voices out there that are trying to break through. They're trying their best to get to you. They were in David's life trying to break through, trying to get him to do some things that if he had chosen to listen to those voices, he would have gone the wrong direction. He would have made horrible decisions. David sinned with Bathsheba. But whose voice was it that broke through all the stuff that was going on around him as a result of his sin? Whose voice was it that brought him to the place that he would say in Psalm 51 and verse 10 and 11, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. You know what? I don't think that was even the only time David ever prayed that prayer. I just believe it became part of his daily life and part of his seeking after God. Praying that prayer, oh God, help me to do right. Living in the misery of 
knowing that he had sinned. And not only had he committed adultery, but he had murdered a man. And yet it was the voice of who? It was the voice of the preacher. It was the voice of the man of God that broke through all of that. And David found himself in a place of prayer. David found himself in a place of repentance. Praise God. I'm here to tell you today, and Sister Wilbanks, you can come as you feel too. I'm here to tell you today that whenever you're struggling with failure, when you're struggling with sin, it's going to be the voice of the man of God, amen, that breaks through to help you in your time of need, in your time of, of, of repentance. The valiant man can't help you then. Amen. The industrious man can't help you then, but it'll be the voice of your man of God. It'll be the voice of your preacher. It'll be the voice of your prophet, the voice of your pastor that brings you back to a place of steadiness and balance. And here's my word to you this morning. Make sure you choose the right voice. Make sure you choose the right voice. There's a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of voices in this room. Did you hear me? I said, there's a lot of voices in this room. If somebody in this room's talking to you, make sure you listen to the right voice. Make sure you listen to the right voice. Hallelujah. There are so many other things I could talk about with David seeking after the voice of God and the word of God. David wanted to build the house of God. And he's getting plans drawn up for it. He's going to build the house of God. And he goes to the man of God and tells the man of God, I want to build a house for God. And, and the man of God says, do it. Do it. And he went home. And when he got home that night, God spoke to the man of God and said, no, don't do it. It's not David. David's not the man to build my house. And David got a phone call from the Man of God the next day, and the man of God said, I got it wrong, David. God spoke to me and said, you're not the one to do it. And David said, okay, okay. And he went to the house of God, and he worshiped God. And he said, you know what, I'll do whatever I need to do. Whatever you want me to do, God, then I'll do that. Then I'll do that. You know, he didn't, he didn't get all mad and upset and, and run and quit church over because he didn't get to do what he wanted to do. He didn't get to, he didn't get to lead the choir. He didn't get to play. He didn't, do, no, he didn't go find another church because the man of God told him no. Let me tell you where, where your real Holy Ghost is tried. It's not when everything that comes to you is yes from your man of God. It's whenever the man of God says no. And boy, that's when your Holy Ghost will be tried. That's when your real man will come out. David's real man came out. And there's so many different things. But I want to leave you, I want to leave this with you. Saul's voice was the mighty voice. But listen to this in 1 Chronicles 10 and 13. It says, so Saul died for his transgression. He eventually made wrong decisions and went down the wrong road. He died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not. And also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. 
and inquired not of the Lord. Therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. You know why Saul died? Because he listened to the wrong voice. He listened to the wrong voice. He listened to the voice of a familiar spirit. He did. He did. Amen. Solomon, 1 Kings 11.1, 1, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, Hittites, of all the nations concerning which the Lord had said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto those in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father. Solomon died listening to the wrong voices. Listening to the wrong voices. His wives turned away his heart from the God constantly telling him you know what our gods are bigger than your God our gods are better than your God and finally Solomon gave in to it and he died without God but when you read 1 Kings 15 and 5 let's stand together shall we 1 Kings 15 and 5 says this because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. The only thing that God held against David, if you please, was when he tried to cover up his sin of having Uriah killed. But other than that, other than that, he found grace and favor in the eyes of God. He was right and did right in the sight of God. And whenever you leave 1 Kings chapter 15 and verse number 5, and you go through the remainder of the Old Testament, and this is amazing, every king after that was judged by the standard that David set. It was either said of them that they did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord or they did not which was right in the eyes of the Lord as David their father did. Why did David do right in the eyes of the Lord? Because David listened to the right voice in his life. David listened to the voice of the man of God. And I've come to tell you that one of these days, whether by the rapture of the church or if it is when you're rolled down this aisle and your casket's laid right here in front of this pulpit, there's going to be only one voice that mattered in your life. You're going to have heard a lot of voices, but there's going to be one voice that mattered in your life, and that's the voice of your man of God. I said, that's the voice of the man of God. That's the voice of the prophet. That's the voice of a godly man, of your godly man.
Amen. You can choose not to listen to it if you want to. You're a big person. Or you can make the right choice and do what is right and live for God and serve God and God will bless your life. And you'll hear the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Which voice are you listening to? Why don't you ask yourself that question right now? Which voice am I really listening to? Which voice am I really listening to? Because it matters. It not only matters now, but it matters in all eternity. Can we lift our hands together right now? Let's ask God. Let's ask God to help us in this day and in this hour that we live in. It's not time to get distracted. It's not time to be turned aside or, or to be led off down another road and listen to the wrong voice and lose our soul. Some of us have been faithful for a long time. The enemy would not like that. He would not like that. But it's time for us to stay focused as never before so we can hear him say, well done. How many of you want to hear him say, well done? How many of you want to hear him say, well done? How many of you want to be ready for the coming of the Lord? Hallelujah. Lord, we need you today. Lord, we love you today. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for this great congregation of people, oh Lord. God, I've preached what I believed in the world, in my heart was from the Word of God to this congregation. I pray, oh Lord, that it would not just be something that would preach, but it would be something that would last, that they would leave this place, oh God, with the Word of God in their heart and in their lives and their mind, oh Lord Jesus that they would make the right choices, that they would make the right decisions. Oh God, that they would choose to serve the Lord, that they would choose to listen to the right voice, and that is the voice of the man of God. Lord, I pray your blessing on them today, God, in Jesus' name. Have your way in every life in this room, every life in this building. God, do a mighty work, Lord, in them, and I thank you for it in Jesus' We pray today that this word has blessed you, ministered to the needs of your life. Until next time, God bless you.